have your Bibles this morning, keep your finger in Acts, but if you would turn to 1 Peter, of course this is the same person in both passages, Apostle Peter. I do want to uh, ask a big favor of all of you this morning. How many of you woke up a little earlier than you normally do this morning due to the fact that the clock fell backwards and you woke up a little earlier? Raise your hand. Well, I had a nightmare last night. I dreamed this morning that I was preaching and it was 12 o'clock and people started getting up and leaving. That's not funny for a preacher, I'm telling you. And so I decided to be done this morning a long time before 12 o'clock. That way nobody would leave. Now you gotta realize I have an hour and 25 minutes to do that. But 11 o'clock is sort of like our 12 o'clock, you might say. I don't think I can get done in 25 minutes. So please don't get up and leave. Please don't do that, will you? Uh, you're gonna cause me to have a heart attack. Uh, just, I'll do my best, but I want you to notice the chief cornerstone spoken of in Peter, about with Peter. Notice if you would, if you have your Bible, 1 Peter, can keep your finger over in chapter 4 of Acts, but notice 1 Peter chapter 2, and you'll notice in verse number 5, it says, ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, the Bible, behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So Jesus Christ is this chief cornerstone. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but out in this field beside us, or the, around the fence, uh, this week they poured the footers and they poured the cornerstone area of that building. Brought it right up next to the building, matched it off of this one, got the right level, elevation, and poured it. And so now they're off and running, pulling from the chief cornerstone next door from this building. This building had a chief cornerstone. It was an elevation. I, I'm not sure the number of it, uh, 219, 220, something like that. Uh, but there's an elevation number out here on the ground. I can show it to you where they uh, put their transit and then marked it on the ground, everything from that point forward. Well, the Lord said, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be the chief cornerstone in everybody's life if they accept it. Peter, walking through an area, he goes up to a little pool here, and a man lame from his mother's womb is brought down and laid at this pool. And the family must realize that in Bible days, if someone was crippled, whether from birth or from a fall or an injury, they couldn't make a living. They didn't have the computer so they could sit there beside them. If you weren't a husbandry, you weren't involved in, in uh, planting or growing or herding, uh, you couldn't make a living. Or if you weren't, uh, uh, didn't have a, a merchant's uh, license, you weren't a seller of goods. Uh, but how could they do that if they were crippled? So 
all along different roads, they would be people asking for alms. It was the way they made their living. So their families would pick them up, take them to a certain spot, and sit them there for the time being. They'd be there all day. I was in Africa, and I saw an elderly lady. They brought her every morning out of their little mud hut, walked over underneath the tree. She was 90-something years old. They would sit her on a blanket, and she sat there all day because her knees were shot. In America, she could have had them replaced and lived a normal life, but not in Africa. You and I are blessed. We're not just blessed physically. So Peter walks up and notice if you would Acts chapter 3, if you'll notice Acts chapter 3, verse number 4, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. So he looks at the lame man. He says, look to us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He expected to hold out his cup. You can just picture it. He's crippled. He's laying down by the pool, and he holds up his cup to put money in it. And so thereby elicits the response. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. I have the power of God in my life. I've walked with Jesus Christ, and he's given me the power to do miracles. Now, this power ceased when the scriptures were complete. That's the reason no one can dig. Today, like Jesus, could go into a village and heal everybody in it. If this power still existed today, I would just go up here to Loudon Hospital and empty it. But no one has that gift of healing. But Peter had it. And so you notice this is the first healing in, of apostolic healing. So notice what he does. In, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He gave the Lord Jesus the credit and said, because of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now you've got to understand he's been crippled from his mother's womb. We don't know if the Lord made new bones, but the Lord did whatever it took. And you'll notice in verse 7, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and le leaping and praising God. And all the people saw, saw him walking and praising God, and they knew who it was. Now, the religious leaders of the day were all angry. You want to know why? Because it was going to cost them members. Because they couldn't do that. And they didn't believe in this Jesus. They didn't believe he was alive from the dead. And they didn't believe he gave Peter the power to heal. And so they began to murmur and talk. And you'll notice in verse number uh, 9 of chapter 4. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? If you're going to whip us, if you're going to question us as you whip us and say, tell us where you got this strength. Tell us where you got this gift of healing. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone 
which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Jesus Christ was a stone of stumbling. Now take your Bible and turn me, if you would, back over to 1 Peter. We'll stay here for the rest of the message. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 8. This is 1 Peter 2, 8. As a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Now I want you to understand, to many people, Jesus Christ is a stone of stumbling. They don't believe, number one, you get to heaven through Jesus Christ. They believe you'll work at it. And if you were to ask 100 people on the, in front of Walmart today, how do you get to heaven? Probably 90-something of them would say, well, you do good, and in the end, God takes your good and your bad and you balance it out, and you hope you make it. Good works. So if you tell them you don't have to do that, Jesus Christ died for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, but, but, but he's a stone of stumbling. They stumble over Jesus Christ right into hell. You know why? Because they won't put their faith and trust in him. They'll do it themselves. I want to be good. I, I want to be do good deeds. I, I want to put money in the, uh, in the coffers of those people that are, that are out that don't have much. I, I'll be good to them. I'll, I'll, I'll help people. I'll give people rides. I'll, I'll be good to people. I'll do good works. I'll come to church. And they miss Jesus Christ, and he becomes a stumbling block to them. Well, I'll make it without him. He's a stumbling stone to some because they think they can do it by themselves. And there are some that it's tradition. I've talked to some people that said, well, my grandmother was one of the greatest Christians I ever knew. She had a Bible right beside her chair, and she read it every day. Um, she's going to help me get to heaven. Traditions. I pray on my prayer list for numbers of people from Africa to America of people that are living by tradition. They pray at certain times. They, they, that's what they were taught. That's what was handed down. But nobody checked the book to see what was really true. They don't realize that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of everybody's life in this room if you'll trust him. But he becomes a stumbling block to people because they don't pay attention to Jesus Christ. They pay attention to tradition. My mama said, my grandmother said, they pay, tradition, they, they pay attention to what, what makes sense to them. It doesn't make sense that God would let me into heaven without working for it. Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in Romans chapter 10 through Scripture. It's a gift. You can't buy it. It's free. Ah, oh, that doesn't make sense to me. I've had people tell me that's just too simple. I, 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 I just need to do something. So Jesus Christ died, and he's a stumbling block to them. But, you know, he's not the stone of stumbling. He's the stone of salvation. We read it in Acts chapter 4. He's the stone of salvation. If anybody in this room, your life is sort of uh, in disarray or, or maybe you've got everything together and you don't realize that the day of judgment is coming 
And everybody in this room needs a chief cornerstone in your life to begin to build from. Do you understand? Now listen very carefully. There are two judgments mentioned in Scripture, and you must know and understand them. There's the judgment seat of Christ, and that's where every Christian is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in his body that he's done after he got saved. So uh, I was saved 56 years ago. For the last 56 years, I could lay up treasure in heaven, or I could live for myself. That's the judgment seat of Christ. But the Bible says that the Lord, if I build with wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be burned up. I'm going to have nothing to show for my life. But if you have Jesus Christ as a chief cornerstone, and everything in your life goes back to him, what would the Lord want me to do? How could I, how could I uh, answer the, this question and honor the Lord? How could I, how could I go to work and, and honor the Lord? Jesus Christ is the stone for which my whole life is built. Well, it starts in salvation. Then there's this other judgment called the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20. No one is going to heaven at that judgment. They're all guilty. The Bible says in the books were open, and every man was judged out of those books. But, but Lord, I, I went to church. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, but what did you do with Jesus? But Lord, I, I did good works. I'm sorry, but I don't see any place in here. Your whole life, I'm thinking through the pages of your life, I don't see any place here where you accepted me as the chief cornerstone of your life. You see, life begins with Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but you can't come to heaven. That's the great white throne judgment. And maybe there's some of you in this room that you've never made Jesus Christ your chief cornerstone. He's not that stone of salvation to you. 56 years ago, that stone was placed in my life, and everything about my life from there on, I want it to be that Jesus Christ is from where everything's pulled from. Everything about David Pittman's life is it balance with Jesus Christ. I want you to notice uh, that Jesus Christ can be a stone of strength to all of us. Not only is he a stone of stumbling to a lot of people, he can be a stone of salvation. You can see it. We read it. He's the chief cornerstone. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number six. Notice what he says here. Verse six, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he that believeth on him should not be confounded. You put your faith and trust in Christ, and he becomes the chief cornerstone of your life. Now, have you got the chief cornerstone in your life? If you do, from that point on, you begin to build everything in your life. The way you talk, the way you think, goes back to that chief cornerstone. How would Jesus want me to do it? Would the Lord Jesus want me to think that thought? Would he want me to say that that I just said? Would he want me to do that so everything is based on Jesus Christ in my life? And so when I run up to a hard time, uh, like Brother Nick has with, with the stage four cancer, or I, I run up to a hard time, maybe uh, you lose a child and, and you begin to say, Lord, I, I, I need your help. Uh, well, notice if you would, uh, I want you to take your Bible and turn, if you would, uh, to, to Matthew, uh, excuse me, um, to Psalm 62, if you would. Psalm 62, I want you to notice this. He becomes our strength. He's the stone of strength. Notice, if you would, 
In, in, in verse number uh, 6, this is Psalm 62, 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He's a chief cornerstone. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation, my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Now notice how you gain strength from the chief cornerstone. Notice what he says in verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Here it is. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge, a strength, a rock of strength to all of us. You know why Christians struggle a lot of times, all of us? We face a difficulty, and we try to figure out, how can I settle this? How can I solve this? But we don't come and say, Lord, I need you. And we don't pour out our heart before him. Now, folks, you don't have to lose a child to pour your heart out before him. You don't have to lose a job to pour your heart out before him. The Lord Jesus loves you, and he wants to be the strong point in your life. He wants to be your strength. But you've got to come to him in the only way he knows that you need him and that you want him and that you're trusting him is if you tell him so. If you come to him in your closet, in your house, or in your bedroom beside your bed, or, or at a church service like this, or, or someplace in your car, and you pull over to the side of the road, and you get out and say, Lord, I'm empty right now. Lord, I, I'm struggling with some things in my life. Lord, would you be my strength? And you pour your heart out to him. Most Christians only pour their heart out in the face of death of some kind. A friend's family member, someone they care about. <clears throat> but the Lord Jesus is available 24-7 to be your strength. Do you know what Christians would be like if we consistently poured our heart out to the Lord day by day? Our lives would be steady as a rock because we're built on the rock. Our lives are around the rock. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to trust ourselves or trust our job. You know, people come here all over the world to get jobs in the D.C. area because they're good jobs, because they're long-lasting jobs, and because they're profitable jobs. And they begin to depend on those jobs more than their Savior. That's Satan's plan. Because if something happens to you and you can't get to work physically, now what? Or the particular job that you're on, maybe you're a government contractor and that job is cut or you don't get the, uh, the next contract and all of a sudden now, I'm without a job, now what do I do? And panic begins to hit your heart. The Lord Jesus said, pour out your heart to me. You got a relationship that's a struggle. Pour out your heart to me. I want to be the chief cornerstone in your life. I want to be who you trust. I'll never fail you. Christians, we don't rely upon him. 
not to be our chief cornerstone. He's a stone in our life, but everything doesn't revolve around him. The chief cornerstone. There are multiple cornerstones in that building next door. There's only one that you start with. There's many corners in this building, but there was one that we started with. From that point, everything went out. Is it level to that? Is it how many degrees north to that? The chief cornerstone. Most Christians do not use Jesus Christ as their chief cornerstone. So their strength is up and down, and, and uh, uh, they use Jesus as sort of a, uh, a panic button. Uh, how many of you ever saw that little commercial where you got an easy button? It's going to be easy to just push the button. How many have seen that? You know, that's what they treat Jesus as. I need an easy button. I'll push Jesus Christ here. The Lord Jesus says, I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk to me and pour out your heart to me so that we can be one. Hey, that's why God made the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. So they can walk together. That's why he made us. And so he said, look, I haven't gone any place. I'm still the chief cornerstone for everybody in this room, if you want me to be. Otherwise, you carry a great load yourself. But you'll notice not only that, but he is a stone of sacrifice. He's a stone of stumbling to some because they never trust Christ. Do it on their own. Tradition. Too simple. He's a stone of salvation to some. They realize they couldn't get to heaven by any other way other than Jesus Christ. Neither is any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ. And you went to him at some point in time and trusted him as Savior. Number three, he's a stone of strength. He wants to be your strength. Will you let him? But finally, he's a stone of sacrifice. Now, I want you to notice, take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, as you've been born again, in verse 23 of chapter 1, you're God's child, the chief cornerstone has been planted. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may be able to grow thereby. He says, okay, I want you to sacrifice, get rid of all the sin that's been in your life. So now you and I, when we relied upon maybe cursing a little bit and we tried to get a point across, give it up. Get rid of it. Well, I get angry and boy, that, uh, when I just lose my temper. Well, give it up. When somebody does something to me, I don't forgive it. I pay them back. Forgive it. So many Christians live with no sacrifice. Their lives are miserable. They look like the world. They act like the world. They feel like the world. Because you know why? They're unwilling to say, Lord, make me like you. I'll do what you want me to do. He is a stone of sacrifice. Now, when you begin to do what he wants you to do, the world looks at it as sacrifice. The Christian looks at it as privilege. I married this girl right here. Some guys say, you're going to pick one and stick with her? Well, I, too big a sacrifice. 
Solomon had a thousand. So we go from the worst to say, Lord, I, I want her. So some would say it's a sacrifice to just pick one. It's not. It's a great privilege that she picked me. And everybody in this room, it's a great privilege. Jesus Christ says, I want you to be mine. But I'm asking for something. Give up the world. Give up the things of the world, the language of the world, the thoughts of the world, the attitudes of the world, the bitterness, the lustfulness, the covetousness. I want more. Would you give that up? Would you let me take care of you? Well, I I'm busy with life. He wants you, well, take your time and use it for my sake. I'll give you an example. Chase, um, this morning I woke up and I thanked the Lord for these 13 men. You may not recognize them. I think the Lord allowed me to take the pictures of their backs. You know what they did? Those 13 men were one that came and they took a day off of work and came to this building and pulled nine miles of wire. Nobody made them. That's a sacrifice. Are you willing to make a sacrifice? Next one. Those men went to a little village in Dominican Republic and built that building behind them. And that building is now full of people that are hearing the gospel of Christ. But it took a week off of work. That's a sacrifice. He's the stone of sacrifice. Will you be willing to do what the Lord asked you to do? The next one. That one, we went to Senegal, West Africa, and built a building there. Did you know there's not churches in Senegal, West Africa? It's 99% a different religion. Those guys took eight days, and that missionary was thrilled that they came. Okay, you can turn it off now. I'm going to read you a little story, probably a story that touched my heart about Jesus Christ being your stone of sacrifice. There were some teenage girls that got together after a missions emphasis. Teenage girls. And formed a do-without club. What can I do without to put some money in the missions fund? To, to help this missionary, to help those missionaries. They got a hold of the fact that Jesus Christ, to serve him, it is a sacrifice sometimes. Hey, you're here at church on a Sunday morning. A lot of other people are out doing all kinds of stuff. You might say, well, it's a sacrifice. It's not if you love Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus Christ, you want to do what he says. And he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so you and I, you're doing the right thing. But, but to the world and say, what were you doing in there? When my wife and I got out of our apartment, I walked the whole way down. There are people that, you know, you see it's carrying a Bible and dressed up. And, and I go out to eat and they say, oh, you just got back from church. How do you know that? Because there are not many people at church. It's a sacrifice. These teenage girls formed a do-without club in order to raise money for missions. Uh, do you think they're going to raise a lot of money? Teenage girls. 
they determined to add to their fund by sacrificial giving. The majority who were from well-to-do homes, much like here, easily found ways to contribute. I'll give my chore money. Mom, can I do some more chores and make some money? But for one poor little girl named Margie, it was extremely difficult. And she couldn't figure out a way to do without. One day she knelt by her bed and asked the Lord to show her something she could do without. And as she prayed, her pet cocker spaniel, Bright, licked her hand. Suddenly, she remembered that the family doctor had offered to buy him because he liked Bright. The tears began to flow as she knew one thing she could give without. Oh, Bright, I can't think of parting with you. But the thought of this verse hit her. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And she exclaimed right there beside her bed, I'll do it. So going to the doctor's place, she sold her dog for $50. Even though she missed her pet, she was so happy because she had been able to place a $50 bill into the missions fund. The doctor was pleased with the dog, but began to wonder if a pressing need had caused the girl to part with him. So he stopped by to see her, had her address. Why did you sell the dog? When he heard her story, he went home in deep thought. Huh. A do-without club. Huh. In his life of abundance, he had never denied himself anything. The next morning, Margie found Bright scratching at her door with a note fastened to his collar. It was from the doctor. Your practical Christianity has done more for me than any sermon I ever heard. Last night, I offered what's left of my wasted life to the Lord. I'd like to join your do without club and doing it without bright. Can I ask you a question? Jesus Christ is a stone of sacrifice. What is it you need to give up? Go without. Language, lustfulness, covetousness, it's not a sacrifice. Not if you love him.
What is it you'd be willing to give up for him? Father, I'm struck by this little girl's tenderness toward you. Dear Lord, I, I pray that you'd help all of us this morning to join the Do Without Club for your sake. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would take those that are here this morning that have been trying to work their way to heaven, and they would come and yield themselves to you as their chief cornerstone of salvation. Lord, and those that have been struggling with troubles in life, help them to come to you as their chief cornerstone of strength. And Lord, all of us, that we'd be like the doctor and say, I want to join your do without club and give you the rest of my life. Let's speak to hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, if you would, please. I'm going to ask Brother Andrew to lead us in a verse as the pianist plays. If you need to come this morning, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. If you need to come, first verse, this verse is for you. It will not last long. Softly and tenderly, Jesus. That's right. If you need to come, you come right ahead. Would you join the Do Without Club? Mom, Dad, Worker. If you've never trusted Christ, today's the day. Don't miss the opportunity of trusting the Lord. Make Him your chief cornerstone. Jesus is calling, calling sinner. Come Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? This will be the last verse if you need to come. Why should we linger and heed not his mercies? Mercies for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly tender.
Thank you. You may be seated. This is Bryn Bredeker, and she's trusted Christ as Savior and wants to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Bryn, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Yes. Okay. Upon your word that you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, I baptize thee, my little sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried him in his death, raised in his resurrection. Amen. Let's all stand. Great joy, great privilege for her to be able to be baptized. We'll take just a minute this morning. Thank you for coming. And Brother Andrew, are you going to come back tonight? Okay, good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All of you guys can come back tonight too, all right? Uh, I'll ask Brother Andrew to close us in a word of prayer. Visitors, please, my wife and I will be in the lobby. Uh, give me a little bit of a moment, and we'll be back there. And we'd love to get a chance to greet you. And thank you for coming and have a gift for you from our church. So uh, you come back again. Thank you for coming today. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for a good message from your word, Lord. Pray that we would ponder and think upon this, Lord, the sacrifice that you gave for us. And um, just a bit of sacrifice that we can give back to you. Lord, go with us here today, this morning. Bring us back safely this evening to hear from you again. Here we pray. Amen.